my wife, thank you Jesus for her, is half Filipino, half Caucasian. I am 100% Asian Indian, so we have lumpia and curry whenever we can, amen. <laughs> Joe Coy was saying, have you ever seen somebody have a passionate conversation with themselves speaking out loud? And you say to yourself, oh, I can't walk, there we go, see. <laughs> you say to yourself, is that person crazy? Joe said, who are you talking to? Because the truth is, according to the Apostle Paul, yes, we're going to be a biblical community that's going to thrive. We've got to love like Jesus loves. And in order for there to be love, you've got to have both grace and truth. And Paul will talk a little bit about grace later on in the chapter that most of us had at our wedding, 1 Corinthians 13. But here he's talking about truth. And the truth is, we have internal parts that talk and speak. It's called the voice of reason. It's called the voice of conscience. And you and I know that if we see something inside of our heads, we have a conversation. And you're not schizophrenic. You don't have multiple personality disorder. You don't have disassociative identity disorder. It's biblical. Look at what Paul says. The Spirit himself bears witness, capital S, Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Something inside of us has a part that communes, that hears, that receives from the Holy Spirit, I'm speaking about parts this Sabbath. <laughs> I'm too scared to put this thing down without the lid. I will drop it. And if we were to continue with what Paul says, does he not say, For I do not do the good I want to do. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. For I do not do the good a part. And the evil I don't want to do. There's a, there's a loose paraphrase, right? The good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil things I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Paul is talking about a part in himself that wants to do good and a part in himself that continues to do evil. I'm just speaking a little bit about parts this morning. Goes on to say, but if I do not do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me, a part. And on this last Sabbath of Black History Month, you may or may not know that humble man of God who just spoke about his grandmother was a beautiful, poetic, powerful preacher. Dr. Richard Neal. I'm sure he still is. I just haven't heard him in a, in, a, in a long time. It was 1989 when I was a teenager, unconverted, sitting in a church pew, listening to him preach. African-American Adventism is the reason I may be in church preaching and a United States Naval officer and chaplaincy. 
It was black preaching that reached this teenager at the age of 17, and one summer before Dr. Richard Neal. His name was Harry Williams. He's preaching in the Emerald City Community Seventh-day Adventist Church in the Central District of Seattle. And since 1988, teens, I have remembered what Dr. Harry, not Dr. Pastor Harry Williams said. He's like, Lord, save me, not from others, but help release myself from me. Parts is what Paul's talking about. Man, the, the good that I want to do, I don't do. But the evil things I don't want to do, this, this I keep on doing. And nothing on planet Earth, nothing exacerbates, magnified billboards, and zooms in with no filter on this part that wants to not do good, then conflict resolution with friends, family, trying to do leadership, ministry, and marriage. It is there in these scenarios when you are trying to do conflict and a part of you comes out that is not something you're proud of. I sometimes get the opportunity once in a blue moon to preach down at the South Bay Seventh-day Adventist Church, probably one exit on the five from the Mexican border, amen. It's a small church. It's your sister church down there. I'm praying that they never tune in because I have an insecure part even after all these years of preaching. But if they were here, they'd be rolling their eyes because one of the things I tend to tell you every time I preach, sister, I'm preaching loudest to my own heart, you just happen to be listening. And in conflict resolution with friends, family, leadership, ministry, and marriage, there's a part of us Jesus-loving people when you're trying to parent, when you're trying to do life, that comes out that we are so not proud of, and Paul, the apostle's talking about it there in Romans chapter 7. And while this individual was happy to write, love is patient, love is kind, in Acts chapter 15, talking about Paul, he's like, uh, he disagreed strongly with John Mark, who in two previous chapters had deserted him, ditched him, left him. So in the next verse it says, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. This is the same individual who's going to write, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. Look at this next one, right? It's not rude. It keeps no record of wrong. It's the same dude. Trying to do conflict resolution with friends, family, leadership, ministry, marriage, when you throw in their parenting. You can have a mental cognitive belief and a theology of love, but when it comes to the practice of doing conflict resolution, there's another part of you that comes out behind closed doors something we may not be proud of. Those of you who are scholars or 
even read your Bible or theologians, there in Romans chapter 7, Paul was talking about these two parts, one that's a slave to the law and one that's a slave to Jesus, and one of it calls the flesh or your carnal nature or your human nature and the spiritual nature, and they war one with another. And if we're going to thrive as a biblical community, we, we got to tell the truth. We got to tell the truth about what life is like sundown Saturday night to six days later, sundown Friday night. How we do life, how we do ministry, and how we do family, and what part shows up under stress when you're trying to do conflict resolution, which is why it's no surprise. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. I would like to submit to you that under stress, there is this inner child that hides in an adult body that comes out when I brief my warriors. I try and say, if you've ever seen a grown man have road rage, a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year old man can turn into a kid behind the wheel just like that. If you've ever seen some of us men when it comes to our sports, I don't mean to pick on the Dallas Cowboy fans. I'm just saying I've seen oh, two YouTubes, but we're all guilty. Their team not winning and grown 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old men throwing things through their flat screen television because it's been since Jesus was last here since they've won a Super Bowl. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me if you're, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. Love is patience. Love is kind. I would like to submit to you this morning that there are Jesus-loving people who've got an invisible little kid hiding in an adult body. And this, dare I say, invisible, emotional teenager we're going to talk about. Under the stress of conflict, you can praise Jesus all you like up in this building, but under the stress of conflict, the real Jesus inside of you comes out. That's why there's this individual, and unfortunately, he's not a Christian. This is when I stumbled on this internal family systems modality of therapy. And what Dr. Schwartz did about 30 years ago, it's been around for 30 years. He's taught at Harvard. Is he had this paradigm shifting moment in page 12. And he says, as long as I was attached to my external only family therapy orientation, I was at a loss with Quinn, one of his patients, who was bulimic. My inability to help her forced me to confront the limitations of my model. I want you to thrive. I want to thrive. But I'd like to submit to you that maybe, potentially, with a lot of compassion in my heart as I've attempted to be a church pastor, I've been a chaplain now for 11 years, I would like to submit to you that there's a lot of us who may have a cognitive belief and we sing great songs about Jesus. 
and we want to thrive as a community of faith. But once we leave this building and we go back out there to do life with our friends, our family, we try to do leadership at our job or ministry in this church or marriage or parenting, there's somebody else that comes out hiding in an adult body. And our kids see it. Please know I'm preaching in compassion this morning. And so Dr. Schwartz has got this individual named Quint. And Quinn and Dr. Schwartz are stumbling on something the Apostle Paul is also wrestling with. Man, the good that I want to do, I don't do. Paul, I'd like to submit to you, has got this invisible, emotional teenager that under the stress of ministry came out in Acts chapter 15. This is the, the case I'm trying to make. And when you're wrestling with these parts, for some of us, it can be miserable. I'm trying to get back here. Amen. You good? I can. Oh, this is better now. It's going to make me less nervous. Less nervous. Man, because I feel like thinking about my spiritual journey since 1989 when Dr. Neil was preaching at that camp meeting. And I'm thinking about what I went through trying to follow Jesus. And the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the evil things I want to do, this I keep on doing. I'm like, this is, this is, this is the, the, the pain and the journey of somebody wrestling with any kind of addiction. Cigarette smoking. Substances. Opioids. Pornography. Exorbitant amount of time in front of a screen. Man, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And we tell them that there's a Jesus that can heal you, and there's a Jesus that can change you, and, and we sing these great songs. But the reality is when we go out of this building and we go back to our homes and our jobs and our kids, there's something else going on in this hidden teenager in conflict, no matter how old you are. Rawr. Or there's people within my hearing, I went through this part of this journey, man, where you're looking around and you're looking at everybody else and they're singing these great songs and they've got smiles on their faces and they're feeling this Jesus. But when it comes to your experience, you're like, man, I don't even know if this is all true. I mean, I went to the Sabbath schools. I read Uncle Arthur's. I listened to the stories. But I'll be sitting in this building going... When I leave this building and I go back to, I don't really know deep in the heart of my stomach, in the pit of my soul, that this Jesus, Jesus thing is really real. And I'm miserable. I suffer in silence. I got secret shame over my habits and addictions and lukewarmness and apathy. I, I don't want to be this person, but I... The good that I want to do, I don't do, and the evil things, I don't want to do this, I keep on doing. You ever been there? I have. It's rough. So Dr. Schwartz talks about Quinn. Oh, I just messed it all up. Stand by. Phew. 
So what's the solution? Man, what's the how? If you are here this Sabbath and you're going, man, I, I don't want to be stuck. I actually want to have a loving relationship with Jesus where I actually feel something during the week and I actually want to be in my Bible. I, if, if some of you are serious, like stuck, every time we get into conflict, I get to 100 beats per minute. I'm not sure if anybody here knows the research of Dr. Gottman. But he has science that says in conflict, especially with your spouse, your heart rate is at 100 beats per minute. You will not resolve the conflict. The adult has left the conversation and you just got two teenagers bouncing off each other. Welcome to marriage conflicts. So if you're asking me, man, how, 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 here's what I'd like to submit to you. That the secret to getting unstuck and actually thriving so your brain theology of love is patient, love is kind actually matches your conflict resolution is to have a Holy Spirit internal family system. So what does that mean? Dr. Schwartz 30 years ago said, I'm going to break all the rules of my counseling training. Quinn, tell me what you are feeling and hearing. And she says, when it came to bulimia, there's this part of me that's like a little kid. And Dr. Schwartz, 30 years ago, had no idea what he was doing, but he, he says, I was stuck. I was stuck like some of us in our spiritual journey. I'm stuck, some of us with our addictions. I'm stuck like some of us uh, with our parenting and our marriage and our conflict. I, I was stuck. And, and so was Dr. Schwartz. And he's like, all right, Quinn. Let's just break all the rules. Tell me about the voice and the part that you're hearing in your head. And Dr. Schwartz says, I broke all the rules, and he stumbled upon this. And that's why if you want to get unstuck this morning, Mike, you might have to help me. I have done, nope, there it is. When I've been preaching to my warriors, I'm like, look, during COVID, you couldn't do face-to-face -face counseling you can start being able to peel back the parts and the voices. And this is a workbook that asks you questions, and you can actually start writing your answers so that when you come to the stresses of life, when you're trying to do conflict with your friends, it's amazing how teenagers do it, and it's amazing how adults do it. Now, not all teenagers. We got some great teens in this. I don't want to label y'all. But if you do conflict resolution like this, teenager and adult, and it goes like this. I have a friend, and the friend hurts my feelings. Says something. And then you go straight to social media going, so, 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 and then your other friends start chiming in on social media. Like, 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 like. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Heart, 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 heart. Thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. Did he really? Ah, DMs, DMs, DMs. Now you expect that from teenagers, some. But man, when you watch adults on social media, if you want to see teenagers hiding in adult bodies, we're going to be a biblical community that thrives, right? Paul says you got you to tell the truth, grace and truth, right? If you want to see adults hiding, excuse me, 
teenagers hiding in adult bodies on social media, just look at what they comment on race, religion, and politics, and sports. And then a kid hiding in an adult body is like, mm, what, the president said what, the vice president said what, and this person preached what, and like, 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 heart, 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 DM, DM, DM. This book begins to help you get unstuck. If there's somebody miserable this Sabbath, if there's somebody who's tired of the war, there's somebody who's given mental assent to great theology, but the reality during the, the, the hours outside of this building is the good that you want to do, you don't do. This book is a practical way where people can begin to unpack their parts. And in this model called the internal family systems, which, by the way, I am not the only one. There are Christian IFS therapists. Dr. Schwartz is not one of them, but this person is. The Holy Spirit led internal family systems. Basically, it goes like this, right? Inside of all of us are these three parts. I'm going to start with two. One is a little kid. Picture your kindergarten picture, even if you are a teenager. If you can just remember right now your school picture when you were in kindergarten. This little exile is what IFS jargon will call it. This invisible person is inhabiting your emotional and spiritual world. And this book is a breakthrough book right here. The body keeps the score. And here, Dr. Bessel uh, van der Kook in chapter 17, putting the pieces together, he talks about Dr. Schwartz and IFS. And what Dr. Bessel talks about is that inside, of, even if you are a teenager, even if you are a little kid, it's already starting that there's this little emotional kid, kindergarten, called an exile. And this little kid is the one that experiences all the pain of unresolved issues from our past. And when this pain is triggered, you feel it somewhere in your body. And it's biblical. When Paul, excuse me, when David, after his sins with Bathsheba, plural sins, and he has to go through repentance, and his heart is breaking, he says, create in me a pure heart. But Doc, you know through the miracle of medical imagery that David did not have and Paul did not have, is that this organ is just a heart that pumps blood. But when you are grieving, you physically feel pain somewhere in this region, which is why David thought his heart is what is responding to God and to grief but the body keeps the score. Now I'd like to submit to you, David and Paul and all of us, when we are triggered, you feel it somewhere in your body. So I'm talking to lethal warriors who have seen combat, and I say to them, hey, when you're triggered, man, where does it happen? Chaps, it's in my leg, man. My leg starts shaking. It's about to go down. What about you? My back of my neck starts getting hot. What about you? I feel tightness in my chest. The body keeps the score. 
And ever in conflict, you start feeling something in your body, guaranteed it's this little kindergarten kid. But that's just one of three. The second one is called the protector, and this is an adolescent teenager. And the number one job of the protector is to distract the little kindergarten kid from her pain or his pain. Distraction is the number one job of the protector. And so how does the protector guilt, fear, shame? As you can imagine, I have to put this on mute, but that gentleman in the red is a Marine that I got to work with at 11th Marines. He was breaking Marines with PT because he's a drill instructor. And I would like to invite you into the conversation inside of our heads of anybody who's a perfectionist, anybody who's OCD, anybody who is a high-capacity leader known for getting things done, if you have an unhealthy internal family system, anybody who wrestles with anxiety, it's got to be perfect, anybody who has unhealthy Kobe and Michael Jordan competitiveness, win at any cost. I don't care what you got to do. But my illustration is I need you to see this person in red, and this is an invisible emotional teenager, and this recruit in green is the kindergarten kid. And when Paul says the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the evil things I don't want to do, if you peel back the onions of your emotional and spiritual world, there is a lot of us who have this inner critic that uses guilt, fear, and shame all day, every day. And the reason you may feel stuck is your brain worships Jesus and can say love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proof, keeps no record of wrong. But in your heart, that's what's going on. So if we were to go back to Paul in Acts chapter 15, in Acts 13, 13, John Mark ditches him. And this is preacher's license, if, you, if I may. Maybe Paul had some unresolved abandonment issues. Maybe Paul had gone through some hideous rejection. Maybe Paul was sexually abused as a kid, even as a male. And the body keeps the score, and his little kindergarten Paul is, is absorbing all of the rejections of his entire life. And, 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 and inside of Paul's chest, even though Paul is 20, 30, 40 years old, when John Mark ditched him, his kid said, ah, oh. back of the neck got hot, legs, chest, whatever it is. He's like, never again. So then in Acts chapter 15, Barnabas says, hey, we're going to get John Mark and let's go do ministry. And Paul's little kid's triggered, and that protector kicks in, and that protector says to John Mark and to Barnabas, no, he's not going. It's ministry. No, he ain't going with me. Uh. What, what, Paul? But we're going to go do ministry. Barnabas, this is an A and B conversation. You need to see your way out. No, he, 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 he is not coming. Love is patient. Love is kind. He can say that from his brain. But in this moment in Acts 15, it's like you two need to go. I'll like you better in heaven. We got to tell the truth. Ministry. Because Paul is triggered. 
And he says, look, man, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And if you're asking me today, man, how, how, how do I put these childish things away, man? How do I get better? I'm trying to tell you, you're not going to do it, and it's almost going to sound heretical, and if you don't ever invite me back, I'll understand, right? But if you're sitting here going, man, I've prayed. I'm not healing. I'm not coming over the addiction. I'm still lukewarm. I'm still not reading my Bible. I've, I've repented, chaps. I've tried. Day in and day out, but you're wrestling all day, every day with this. I'm trying to tell you when you get a Holy Spirit-driven internal family system. Because inside of us, and this is where I didn't want Dr. Hans to be here. But let me just start with the continuum of least lethal to most lethal from this guy inside of all of us that Paul will call the sinful carnal nature, the gentleman in red, internally. If distraction is the job, this person will say when the little kid is triggered in our spirituality and psychology, separate from our theology. Hey, just go numb. Stuff it into a box and don't feel it, don't... No. So you can get into conflict with something and all of a sudden, pfft, stoic. Work out. Exercise ferociously. Because as long as you're exercising, you don't have to deal with that pain. Work. To include ministry. Because the most deadly lie out of all of this when you are in ministry or working in a church is performance equals love. Your brain can say, hey, it's grace. We all love Jesus. But if you've got a protector, teenager, performance equals love. And if at your job, your leadership style, and you've got this inner critic, the way you drive the team, performance equals love. If we go down the continuum to distract, work, work out. And this is where, Hans, I didn't want you, you know, because for some of us, it's food. I'm triggered, man. Let me just get some pizza and Ben and Jerry's. Let's go. But if we, could t if we could attach this to the health message, why do people not? Because if they're like me, when you're triggered and you got to distract, right, prayer and Bible study ain't going to work. Substance abuse, exorbitant amount of time on the screen, because if you're doing this, you don't got to deal with that little kid. And what God wants to do is he wants to raise up an emotional adult. This is Alistair running a triathlon in Australia, and he's getting ready to finish, and he's winning, but he's been running so hard and so long, things are starting to change because you can only do running without the Holy Spirit for so long before a crisis comes. And he's running. And friend, maybe this morning you're like, man, I'm just so tired of running. Chaps, I'm tired. Tired of waiting about this new birth, man. Tired. I'm tired of being such a King James donkey. Tired of being this person. But I've been doing it for so long, it's starting to give out, man. 
And I don't know how long, if I had the announcers on, the announcers are going, Alistair's not looking good. These two people in front of him, he's lapped. He's, he's winning the race. And what the internal family systems modality is talking about is you've got this little kid who needs the best version of a mom if you're female, and, and then you've got this internal protector, this inner critic that helps us do all of this ridiculous stuff. And what Jesus and the Bible wants to do is the Holy Spirit comes in, and if you do your homework with these books that I've shared with you, and if you start seeing an internal family systems therapist, this therapy is different than cognitive behavior. The therapist, if they know what they're doing and they're level one trained, will begin mentor and coach this third person, which I just like to call an emotional adult who provides grace to the teenager drill instructor and grace to this little kid. That's Alistair's brother who's breaking all the rules. The announcers are going, I've never seen this. What are we going to do? Let this guy... But Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the parakletos, the one that comes beside to help. And what this gospel as the worship team comes forward, man, when you understand this, is that the Holy Spirit comes in and teaches you how to be the best version of mom and dad to your critic and best version of mom and dad to your exile. And, and the Holy Spirit is this, is this third person of the Godhead who Jesus says, yo, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's in the Bible. Jesus says, yo, it's to your advantage I leave. Because if I leave, the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, the one who's going to come beside and raise you up. The one that's going to actually provide the healing, but you got to do some time in therapy. I'm going to come beside you. It's my job. So you don't have to fight in front of the kids like you do. You don't have to parent them like you do. You don't have to be that leader. You don't have to do that ministry that way. Performance does not equal love. And this third person of the Godhead, that Doc Neal in 1989, I was a broken teen wrestling with suicide, man. I heard the gospel. If you ever want to hear the voice of your protector, your teenager, this Doc made an altar call, man, and I just heard this, man, you ain't going to do that. You ain't walking up in front of all those people. You ain't going to be no Jesus, Jesus follower. You're just going to mess it up again, and then you're going to make a worse fool of yourself. Whatever you do, do not give your life to Jesus. It's a protector. And the Holy Spirit, yo, man, just let's do this. It's not about theology of your head. It's your heart. So I invite you to stand as we sing this together. And I want these lyrics to be more from the heart, your spirituality, and your psychology. Stand with us. Stand with us. Stand. We're going to worship together. The Holy Spirit wants to come in, change things, rearrange things, heal things. So let's sing together. 